This episode is brought to you by KPMG Risk Services. KPMG believes that when you've earned the trust of all your stakeholders, that's when your business has a solid platform to grow. That's the trusted imperative. KPMG Risk Services develop and put in place dynamic risk strategies designed to help your business earn that all-important trust. Go to read.kpmg.us slash trust to learn more. Hey, this is Randy Gage, and you're listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Inspire Before We Expire show. I am your host, Terrell Sumter. Guys, I'm very grateful, thankful, and graceful to see another day that's never a promise. Ladies and gentlemen, before we start today's show, I just want us to take some time, and I want us to close our eyes. I want us to breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. I just want us to take a moment. I just want us to think about a time that we really felt old. It was around good energy, good vibrations. And we know we was headed towards something great. Just take a moment. Now we can open. Guys, if you're listening right now, um, I know that we're in some very troubled times right now, but what you can look at is the time around you is a time to really, really uh, know that you are able to overcome. You're not in this alone, that we're in this together. And I have a very, very special guest on my show. Um, I mean, this man is legendary in my eyes. And I really want you guys to take your pens and pads out because you're going to need it. I mean, he is a thought-provoking, critical thinker who will make you approach your business and your life in a whole new way. He is the author of 13 books translated in 25 languages, including the New York Times bestsellers, Risky is the New Safe and Mad Genius. He has spoken to more than 2 million people across more than 50 countries and is a member, a proud member of both the Speaker's Hall of Fame and a direct selling of Hall of Fame. When he is not crawling the, the podium, he is locked and low and he lonely. Um, you'll probably find him playing third base for a softball team somewhere. Guys, I want to introduce you to my dear friend coming out of Miami, Florida. The man himself, the renowned speaker, author. You guys know him, Mr. Randy Gage. Randy, welcome to the Inspire Before We Expire today, man. Hey, Terrell. Great to be on with you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for devoting time on your busy schedule. You could be anywhere, but you chose to be here, so we appreciate it. So, Randy, I know it's your first time. We're just going to dive right into it. You can just go in and tell us when your journey first began for you. When my journey first began, that's a pretty, that's a pretty open question. Yeah. I'm thinking it's when my mom pushed me out and said, <laughs> I'm done carrying this guy. It's time he started pulling his own weight. Yeah. Uh, you want to be a little more specific with so, that? So, so mainly like you're, you're good going to entrepreneur, just like you're up bringing just the very beginning of everything before, you know, becoming, you know, how you was able to obtain success. So really just when you was young and everything from there. Well, I was raised poor and I hated being poor. You know, you see people on TV and they say, we were poor, but we didn't even know it. I'm like, yeah, right. Come on now. It's, uh, I knew I was poor and I hated being poor. 
the other kids, they got new go-karts and mini bikes and they turned 16 and their dad bought them a car and they went to cool vacations to places. And none of that stuff was happening in my family, right? So I'm sharing a room with my brother, my sister sharing a room with my mother, the four of us are sharing one bathroom. Uh, so I was like, I got to get out of this reality. And so I just, I morphed into being an entrepreneur by necessity. So when I was delivering newspapers, raking leaves, shoveling snow, babysitting, pet walking, whatever I could do to earn money. And then later in my teen years, that turned to dealing dope and other type of things that maybe aren't the most... Uh, uh, ethical ways of doing that, but it, I still learned lessons from all that, right? I learned that, okay, I can control my destiny. I don't have power over everything in the world. There are many things I can't control, but I can choose how I respond to each scenario and do my best to work toward a higher outcome for that. And that's what I did. Okay. Awesome. You mentioned you uh, you basically got into the streets and you said you was dealing dope. So take into, take us into that um, or so, uh, like when you started like hustling and what did that lead to? Because it's a lot of young people listening right now who are in a stuck place and that, you know, believe it or not, they are in the streets and they don't, they don't know, they have no direction, they have no support. So you can really take us in to, to that moment. Well, so I was a teenage alcoholic, teenage drug addict. We didn't define it that way then because nobody talked about it in those days, but that's in essence what I was. And I just wanted to live by myself. And I told my mom, I'm just gonna go rent my own apartment. I, wanna, I don't want all these rules. And you say to live in this house, I have to do this and that. And that. I don't want that, I'll, I'll support myself. And she probably thought, well, this kid's gonna figure it out quick. So she was like, okay, go ahead and do that. And I did. So at 15, I moved out of the house by myself and got a roommate and got an apartment and worked to try and stay support myself. And um, unfortunately, the landlord and the gas and light company and people like that, they didn't share this belief that everything should just work out for me. They like expected that I would pay the rent and pay the light bill. And if I didn't pay the light bill, they would just cut off the power. Right. But those were really good lessons for me. And I learned, Hey, you know what? I have to take responsibility for myself. And so I was still living in victimhood and, and ended up, I actually was, uh, at, uh, by the time I was 16, I was in, wasn't quite 16 yet, which was really important from a legal distinction. Uh, I was arrested for armed robbery and burglaries. Okay. And because I was 16 years old, I, under 16, I wasn't tried as an adult. I was tried as a juvenile. And that was a really important seminal moment in my life because had I been tried as an adult, I probably would have just started my young adulthood in prison. But because I did, I wasn't, um, there were people who believed in me. The judge gave me a chance. The public defender believed in me. And I was able to get out on probation, uh, which if you stay out of trouble by the time you're an adult, you, it's erased from your record. 
So I got another chance and I took it. Okay. As you got that another chance or so like that, what did you learn from, from that of, you know, like you say, um, you was arrested for some real serious crimes. What was next for you now that you get this another chance? What was next for Randy Gage? Uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to play by all the rules and I'm going to do this the right way because I still hate being poor. I want to become wealthy and I'm going to do everything I can to be become wealthy. And all I knew was the restaurant business, right? I'd started as a minimum wage dishwasher and worked my way up and cook and bartender and uh, cook and then waiter and host and hostess. Um, and I was working as a grill cook when uh, Red Lobster opened in my town for the first time. And they were hiring waiters. And you have a 16, maybe and a half now or something, you needed to be 18 because they served alcohol. In those days, I lied about my age. Um, they just assumed nobody lied about my age. Nobody asked for a specific ID. And they hired me. Uh, so I was working as a waiter, uh, serving liquor, uh, you know, in a job making, for me, a lot of money. I mean, a Friday night, I could come home with 80 bucks in tips plus my salary. That was a fortune for a kid like me, particularly back then. Because uh, I worked hard. I took as many tables as I can. Other waiters and waitresses, they get overwhelmed. And I'm like, hey, you want me to take over that table of six for you? You need me to handle that four top for you? You know, I just wanted every every, uh, you know, uh, table that I could get. Uh, and then the place that I was working as a, a, a cook offered me an assistant manager, a manager trainee job. And so I took that work in the graveyard shift and then uh, became an assistant manager. And then at 17 years old, which they thought I was 20, I was 17, they made me the manager of a restaurant. And a restaurant that was doing, oh, I would more than uh, more than eighty thousand dollars a month in sales. So it was big business, and I and and that that was Howard Johnson's was the company I worked for, and with Howard Johnson, you you made your own P and L statement every month. You submitted your payroll every week, and you did your inventory and ca calculated your food cost and what were your controllable expenses and what were your non-controllable expenses. And I had to report those every week. Um, and so it taught me about business. And so I was a kid who was failing math in high school. And I had been expelled, by the way, at, you know, when I was in the eighth grade and I got arrested, they just expelled me. So that was the end of my, my higher education journey. <laughs> Uh, so here I was, this kid who'd been expelled from school who couldn't do math, but I was doing a P&L statement for a successful restaurant um, because it was real world experience. And that is why I'm such a big believer in that to this day, that real world experience is where it's at. When was the day you decided to walk away from that, you know, from walk away from Howard Johnson and really dive into entrepreneurship? Well, my, I had a couple of things. First, I thought, okay, so I, I got fine, made it to manager. And then I realized, wow, I have waiters and waitresses who make more than I do. And they work a 40-hour week, but they get tips and they make a lot of money. And I'm on this straight salary, which I think was like $290 a week or 300 bucks a week back in those days. And I have waiters and waitresses making 350, 375. 
and they were working 40 hours. I'm working 80 hours a week. So I think, okay, what I've got to do is I've got to own my own restaurant. And that's the secret. And uh, that, of course, was a disaster because I started it with my assistant manager. We didn't really have enough money to, to start a place, invest, but we were trying to bootstrap it. Uh, and we lost everything in it. And, uh, and I did that twice, two different times. But at that point, when I lost, we were, hadn't quite lost the restaurant yet, but we, I was exposed to direct selling uh, by a guy in Amway. And he approached my partner and said, and so my partner asked me to come over to his house for this presentation when this guy was coming. And he got this yellow legal pad and a red pen. He drew a circle at the top and he wrote you in the circle. And then he drew five circles underneath the U circle, <laughs> then 25 and 125. And I was like, hotel, motel, holiday inn. I had never seen anything like leverage. This was just electrifying to me. So I joined on the spot. Um, because I certainly wasn't making any money in the restaurant business and I was desperate for, uh, you know, change. And, uh, so that's what introduced me to direct selling, what I call leverage sales and the concept of leverage. What intrigued you about the space? So, you well, know, come I up. had, I never seen leverage. Okay. I had spent everybody in my family spent their entire life trading hours for money. There was nobody who had any kind of residual income, passive income, or leverage income. So all of that was just, uh, uh, you know, uh, glorious to me. And what was the process like of growing your business and the people around you? Uh, I struggled for five years in that business. I didn't understand about systems and duplication. And uh, so I didn't make it with them. I joined other companies dropped out of those, joined other companies. And then, uh, you know, finally, after about five years, had a kind of come to Jesus meeting with myself and say, okay, what's going on here? Um, I, I, either this is all just a scam <laughs> or the problem is me. It's one or the other. But, you know, it seems to me like these companies I have been in, there are people who make big checks. And there are people who drive bonus cars and there are people winning free trips and cruises and going to Fiji and Tahiti and Hawaii and drinking out of the proverbial coconut. And so I recognize, okay, the problem has to be with me. And I began this study of, okay, how can I become duplicable? How can I, how can I bring people in the business who can replicate the results that I get. And that was the breakthrough for me. And it was an instant breakthrough, but it was a gradual one that uh, made me become more successful. And I got up to a point of, uh, uh, I think I'm up to $11,000 a month in a bonus check, which was, you know, what I was used to making in a year, you know, before that in years past. Nobody in my family had ever made such an obscenely large amount of money. Um, and I, like an idiot, I said, okay, now I have this money. Now I can start a restaurant. 
And so I took this money that I was making in direct selling and being the slow learner I was, I started a restaurant again. And again, that, you know, 11,000 in a month seems like a lot, but when you're starting a restaurant, that's nothing, right? So again, I was uh, bootstrapping it, very undercapitalized. And again, the restaurant failed. In this case, it actually was seized by the IRS, which is the tax authorities here in the U.S. And they auctioned it off at the courthouse. And it's, go ahead. It seemed like you failed a lot of times early in your journey. I did. Or so I like that. And I, I love that because it's a quote that you have. Failure is not the opposite of success, but failure is a part of the success. And I love that. So what have failure taught you from in the beginning of your entrepreneur journey to where you're at now? Well, what I understood then was, okay, the opposite of, of success is not failure. The opposite of success is mediocrity. And Failure is part of success. That failure is just part of the journey to success if you allow it to be. So if you will learn the lessons from it, say, okay, I'm just, you know, I need to, I've got to push back on this. I'm writing this for my email newsletter tomorrow. I have a, a newsletter, free newsletter that if anybody get at randygage.com, you can sign up right in the top right-hand corner. Okay. So on Fridays, I do it. I call it Friday philosophy. And I love I that. Talk about what I'm thinking about that week. And I'm literally writing tomorrow's episode right now before I got on with you. And I'm discussing this, that, that the, the difference, between, you know, at its ultimate, ultimate, ultimate level, the question we're always going to come down to is, am I going to choose to be a victim or am I going to choose to be a victor? And victims feel like, and that's what the topic of this post tomorrow is that, and I know because I was a professional victim for 30 years, right? So I know that as victim, you say, well, the world is supposed to be designed to ensure all my success and happiness at the drop of a hat. And when it doesn't work that way, obviously I'm an innocent victim. So you say, you see, I started my business. I was going to do Uber for pet sitters and it didn't work. So the universe is conspiring against me. You got to have money to make money. The rich keep getting richer. The man is out to get me. Um, it didn't work. So I'm a victim. Whereas a victor says, okay, I've got to work with the world in the context of how it really operates that there are some things I control, some things I don't control, and I need to be mindful of which is which. And then I have to be proactive. And I can't just sit home and watch The Secret and expect my Lamborghini's gonna roll into the driveway. I've got to be proactive, I've gotta take steps. And so when I face these challenges or obstacles or setbacks, they're not proof that I'm an innocent victim. They are stepping stones to give me the opportunity to learn what is the lesson from this, to grow in some way, to develop some new skill that will allow me to become a victor 
and that you don't just get to be a victor by snapping your finger and it's not guaranteed you do have to work for it and that's really the the driving philosophy of my life absolutely i love that what are some key principles you've applied that has helped you along this journey the only free cheese is in the mousetrap mm. You know, I don't look for how can I cheat the universe out of something. I don't look for bargains and discounts and coupons and early bird special. I say, okay, there, there is a price to pay for success. I'm willing to do the work, learn the skills, hone my craft and pay that price. And I, I, I guess the other principle I would say is that the cost of living your dream is high, but it's nothing as high as the cost of not living your dream. If you give up on that and you just say, okay, I tried, that was my dream and I'll never make it. That's the highest price you'll ever pay in your life for anything. I love that. What is so, for the listeners that's listening right now, they have a dream dreaming big, but they just, they stuck at this moment, man. They don't, they don't know what's next. They don't want to take necessary action. They don't want to network, communicate, you know, connect with people. What would you say for them at this moment, sitting at their house or Well, let's not affirm that. Let's affirm, okay, they're stuck, but let's not affirm that they don't want to work or they won't work or they won't take steps because I think for most people, that's not true. So I don't want to affirm that. Now, if it is true, then I have nothing to say to them. They're listening to the wrong podcast. They need to (laughs) turn on uh, Judge Judy or RuPaul's drag show or, you know, the, I don't know, whatever on TV, some telenovela on TV and, and exist in their victimhood. I think for most people though, they're, they're saying, Hey, I would do the work. Just tell me what I got to do. Tell me, what are, the, what are the steps I need to take? And I'm willing to do them. I will work. I don't expect success for free. They just haven't been trained. Like if you take the people in direct selling, um, there's just so much misinformation out there, so much evil, negative, destructive training out there that, uh, you know, that's my last two books. I have really work to correct that for people in that space, right? I have a book called Direct Selling Success. That is the new rewrite, the brand new book that I wrote based on my first book, which I wrote 20 years ago, you know, or back, I don't know when, 1996 maybe, called How to Build a Multi-Level Money Machine, right? Well, I was going to, I was going to write the the new fifth edition of that. I was just looking at the space and saying, man, with social media and the internet and e-commerce, so much has changed with the regulatory environment. So much has changed. Now we're heading into this pandemic. And I'm like, you know what? I need to just write a whole new book from scratch. And that turned into the longest book I've ever written. Um, but I completely updated from the get-go, and that's my com- generic, right? It doesn't matter if somebody's in Herbalife or New Skin or prepaid, you know, 
legal, uh, legal shield, I guess they're called now, whatever company you're in, that book will help you do it, right? And then I wrote another one just for leadership called DEFCON 1, Direct Selling. So that's what people are missing. They haven't got that kind of information. They have sponsors and uplines that tell them, well, these products, they just sell themselves. Just think of people you know who would like to make money and show them the plan and you will be successful. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to learn, how do I work a candidate list? How do I meet people? How do I invite? How do I follow up, right? These are skills that people can learn. So I wrote those books to help people with those skills. For people in general, I do my blog, I do my Power Prosperity podcast, uh, and my 14th book, which will be out in 2021, that's kind of my new life's work just for success in general. Like what are the, it's, it's gonna be called- um, Radical Rebirth. That's it, Radical Rebirth. Uh, and it's how to kill off the old you and create the new you. Right. Because for me, that's what I had to do. Right. I was grown. I grew up with a certain set of assumptions, the programming from my family, my friends, the area that I live with, which was, you know, go to school, get a job, get a get, try to get a job with a big company and you'll be set up for life. So where I grew up, that meant you should go to high school, get your diploma and then apply at the General Motors plant in Janesville. They would hire you to work on the assembly line and then you would be set. You would work there for the next 40 years and then you would retire. And that plan don't work anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to say, you know what? I bought into the wrong plan. I created the wrong belief structure about it. I need to re and I just realized, you know, I've created a life that I don't like a life. I actually hate. I don't even like myself. So I decided to kill off my old self and replace me with the self I wanted to become. And that's really what my blog is about these days, my podcast, and that's what this 14th book is gonna be about. And that's amazing, I love it, man. I just get inspired by hearing you. Brandy, how do we, how do we live a prosper, prosperous and happy life, man? Well, you go through a couple of stages. Stage number one is you've got to recognize stages of consciousness and the consciousness number one or the stage of consciousness number one is that you are meant to be rich. You were born to be prosperous. Um, so you've got to accept that, right, as a premise. Um, the second stage of consciousness is where you go back and you blow up all the limiting beliefs you have. Money is bad. Rich people are evil. It's spiritual to be poor. You got to sell your soul to be successful. If you want to have a good career, you have to be a bad parent. If you want to run a successful company, you've got to take advantage of people and plunder the environment and, and just work on raising your stock dividends among all else. Those are all mind viruses that most people have bought into. So they're core foundational beliefs, right? I, that, the new book, that's what I'm looking at. It's your core foundational belief in all of the, the most important areas of life. So 
uh, health and wellness, uh, money and God, or I'm sorry, money and success, God and religion, sex and sexuality, uh, uh, marriage and relationships, right? There's important areas that you have these core foundational beliefs. And most of them are negative limiting beliefs, like, you know, money's bad, rich people are evil, all those ones I just mentioned. So you have to become aware of that programming that you've had. You have to eviscerate it. And then you've got to replace it with empowering programming. And that's why I do my blog. That's why I do my podcast. That's why I write my books. So, you know, I write that stuff for myself. You know, I have all these subscribers around the world. They're waiting for that Friday philosophy newsletter to hit their inbox tomorrow morning at 2 a.m. Eastern time. But I'm not writing that for them. I'm writing that for me to remind myself so that I don't fall back into that victim life that I lived for 30 years, that I don't fall back into making excuses for myself on how the world is stacked against me and I never had a chance, a, a, a middle child of a single mother who raised her kids knocking on doors, selling Avon, who was thrown out of high school, who was in jail for armed robbery, who doesn't have a college degree, doesn't have connections, you know, all of, I could buy into all those excuses. So I do my work for myself. And then I just share it with other people and say, hey, this is, this is what works for me, or this is what isn't working for me. And I'm just sharing it with you so that you can apply it in your life and see if it works for you. That's what is really true. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. You've mentioned some interesting things, man, and I love that um, I'm really enjoying our time. What does true sacrifice mean to you? Uh, to me, sacrifice is just a willingness to pay the price. So I don't even see it as a sacrifice. I see sacrifice as a smart, long-term decision. A mother sacrifices herself for her children, right? When she's, when their kids are young, I mean, the things, you know, it's like I'm traveling all the time because I'm doing speeches, right? I'll be going to an airport and I'll see some mother by herself. She's got a baby in her arms. She has a toddler. She's pulling along in a stroller and she's carrying her own luggage and everything. And I'm like, oh my God, this poor woman, right? She's the strongest person on that plane, what, you know, right? But she's sacrificing, right? So she's sacrificing so that later she has the gift of children who bring joy and value to herself and the rest of the world, right? And then maybe when she is 90, her children will be sacrificing for her to be a caregiver for her. She's frail and elderly, right? And, and that's the way they get to pay back the joy that this mother gave them during the life for the sacrifice she made earlier, right? We sacrifice the blisters on our hands to lift the weights in the gym because we want to build the muscle tone, because we want to have the flexibility, because we want to have the health, because we want to have the energy. We do the work to build the network or take the company public. Um, those things all require sacrifice, but that sacrifice is really just a, a long-term smart decision. And as you build your successful businesses, they're so like that and started to taste the success. 
what has been the biggest roadblock you faced and how long and how did you overcome? Well, the biggest obstacle I faced is the same one I see most of the people I work with faced is worthiness issues. They don't believe they're worthy. On a, sub, on a conscious level, they believe they're worthy. They say, I want to be rich. I want to be successful. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. But on a subconscious level, they have all this program that says, if you become rich, you're going to have to turn into one of those evil people. If you become successful, your friends and family aren't going to like you anymore. You don't want to sell your soul for money. You know, you're going to rot and burn in hell with gnashing of teeth if you, if you become rich. And so the subconscious mind sabotages the conscious mind. And when there's a, you know, when there's a, a, a block there, the subconscious mind always wins. And that's really why you see the brunt of my work is usually about the subconscious programming you have and how you can reset that, blow up the limiting beliefs and replace them with empowering beliefs. That's amazing. I love that. Randy, I wanted to give you some, some room uh, or so like that to share a story. I know you like sharing stories. Um, just take a few moments, man, and just share what you haven't shared because you've done a lot of interviews. You've, you've spoken over in 50 countries, man. I mean, just phenomenal, phenomenal individual. Just share a story that's going to really spark something in our young people, man. It's going to help them push, not just only during these times, but just the, the remaining of their life to make the, the best of their life, the rest of their life, the best of their life. Well, one of the things I've been able to do is speak in halfway houses and foster homes and jail cells, jails, public jails, to young people. Um, and I go in there and they listen to me because I'm a multimillionaire, because I drive exotic sports cars. That's the only reason they give me the time of day, right? They, otherwise they're like, what the, you know, who the F is this? old, bold, white guy, what's he doing in here talking to me? What could he possibly have to say that's relevant in my life? But because they hear that I'm wealthy and I drive sports cars and have homes and do and have a lot of the things that they aspire to have or aspired to have when they were out on the street, um, they say, well, I'll give him the, the benefit of the doubt. At least I'll hear what he have to say. Right. Because I don't get it's not like when I'm speaking to a convention hall of 10,000 people and they run this highlight video and I have this voice of God announced right now. Welcome to the stage, Randy. Get uh, my intro in these places is usually there's some guard with his hand on his club or his gun saying, we got a guest speaker and you better behave yourself. And if you so much as look cross-eyed, I'll be all over you and we'll be throwing you back in your cell. And, you know, here's Mr. Gage. Listen to him. <laughs> That's the opening I get. <laughs> so their arms are crossed. Their legs are crossed. They're like, what is, you know, what is, what is going on here? And when they realize, wow, this guy was in a jail cell for armed robbery. He wasn't born with all those sports cars. He wasn't born into a wealthy family. He went from a jail cell to wealthy by his own means and power. If, if, 
he can do that, that means I can do that. And that's the story I want people to know. They're in direct selling to say, hey, there's a guy who struggled for five years losing money in the business. And he became arguably one of the most successful producers in our entire profession anywhere in the world. Built a team of 200,000 people across the world, right? If he did it, it means that I can do that. And whether it's an author who wants to write a New York Times bestseller like I did, or just somebody who wants to create the life of, hey, like for me, my vision was I want to have a, a business that I can work with my laptop under a palm tree anywhere in the world. Just work from home. I don't want to commute. I don't want to have employees. I don't want to have offices. I want to just, you know, take the walk from my bedroom to my workroom in my slippers and sip my green tea and start my day, right? And I manifested that um, as a guy who was a high school dropout, right? So it's, people need to know that, that it is possible if you will find the limiting beliefs you have, blow them up, recognize them that they, they came, you know, they come from organized religion, they come from the government, they come from the education system, and then they come from the data sphere, TV, radio, internet, social media, all that amplifies all that, right? So you have to recognize that and say, so if, if you were born with a, uh, you know, and you went to Catholicism, what is it, catechism, and they told you you were born a sorry sinner, you got to say, does that belief really serve me? Or if you, you, know, you were taught that, hey, you're being reincarnated this lifetime to pay penance because you were a, a horse thief five lifetimes ago, I have to say, does that belief really serve me? Or you're a Buddhist and they say, well, you, you're only going to reach enlightenment after 150 lifetimes. And right now you're just on lifetime number 99. You got to say, time out. You know, that's an interesting theory, but I don't think I'm buying that. I believe I was meant to be healthy and happy and prosperous, not in the afterlife, not in the next life, not 15 lives from now. I believe I was meant to be healthy, happy, and prosperous in this life. And that true success, true prosperity is created by solving problems and adding value. And as long as I keep looking for ways that I can help solve problems for others and add value to others, I'm gonna be able to manifest success and prosperity in my life. And that's a belief that serves you better. That's the story I would, I would share. <laughs> man, powerful. My last question for the day, Randy. Thank you for sharing that, man. Honestly, uh, truly moving, truly moving. When it's all said and done, Mr. Gage, we all know that we do our best to leave this world better than we found it. So I wanted to ask, man, when it's all said and done, what do you want to leave behind and what do you want to be remembered for, mostly be remembered for? I want to be remembered for my work, that my work of empowering people to believe in themselves. 
that recognizing they have been programmed. We all are programmed, right? You can't help it. Every, there's just stuff around you programming you every day. TV, radio, internet, commercials. I look down, there's an ad on this pencil, right? If I pick up a pen, there's an ad for some hotel chain on the pen, right? Every bus benches, planes flying overhead with banners, commercials, radio, TV, right? All this stuff is trying to program us. So what I'm showing people is you can be mindful of that programming. You can notice that programming. You can notice when it doesn't serve you and you can replace it with programming that does serve you. And what I want to be remembered for is that I was the programming they chose to replace it with. They said, I, you know, listening to Randy's Power Prosperity podcast made a difference for me. I read his book, Changed My Life. All right, every three times a week, I'm looking on his blog, seeing what he has to say, because he makes me think about things in a way that I've never thought about him before. If I'm doing that, and I'm pissing some people off, right? Because if somebody's not unfollowing me or unfriending me every day, I'm probably not doing my job right. Because it isn't my job. My mission is not to tell you what you want to hear. My job is to tell you my truth as I see it and know that that's going to attract some haters and some trolls and that that's okay. I can weather that storm because um, I'm still going to speak my truth. And that's really, um, that's the focus of my work. That's how I hope I'm remembered. Man, powerful, man. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Guys, there you have it, man. I mean, the one and only Mr. Randy Gage. If you don't know, now you know, man. I mean, this guy is, like you say, one of the most successful is, I mean, people of our time. Phenomenal guy. He has built over 300,000 people plus more he didn't been to 200,000 200,000 okay gosh gotcha. oh, I'll take it up with not Randy I mean you know um and he's a multi-millionaire but what I look at this guy he's just a self-heart-centered gentleman phenomenal individual to learn from to listen and to just share a laugh you know you just notice in a few more um during this interview we shared a few laughs and things of that nature and it's an honor for myself, you know, 27 years old, to interview this legend because not too many people can interview him and a few other people. So um, we're still going and we're still going to keep going and keep learning, you know, from guys who made these mistakes and teaching us not to make the same, but now at a great point in, in, in place of his life. So I want to give you your roses while you're here, good brother, and show gratitude and say thank you for being a part of the Inspire Before We Expire family. Honestly, man, um, I'm glad I didn't come into this interview nervous. You know, I've learned from that. <laughs> so, but um, I'm glad that we finished this strong. And I know the people will be sparked and inspired and moved deeply from this message, man. So I want to give you your roses while you're here. And um, just want to say, man, uh, guys as well, can you support and follow Randy's mission and uh, stay tuned for his latest book coming out in 2021, Radical Rebirth. I uh, love the title. Mad Genius is out. Um, New, New York Times bestseller. We didn't get into it. Um, and uh, also, you got plenty of more books in different languages. So, I mean, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal person all around. This is an Inspire Before We Expire. Please leave us a review, share with a friend, and we're out. Woo! Hey, thanks for listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. 
Do me a favor and practice the circulation law of prosperity and tell people about Prosperity TV. So if you would, just put something up on your Tumblr, your Twitter, your Facebook, your YouTube. Uh, let people know what you think of the Power of Prosperity podcast. Even take a screenshot of your phone and maybe post that picture uh, so we can build the community here at the podcast. Thanks, guys.